We thank God you have tuned in to this message by David Entry at Caris Church. No hand can help you with the fulfillment of your destiny but the Word of God. May God's hand align with you further into your destiny through this Word. Colossians chapter 4 from verse 7 to 17. All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, salutes you, and Marcus, the sister's son, to Barnabas, touching whom ye receive commandments, if he come unto you, receive him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, who are of the circumcision, these only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluted you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that ye might stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he has a great zeal for you, and them that are in Laodicea, and them that are in Heropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea, and Nymphas, and the church which is in his house. And when this epistle is read amongst you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, take you to the ministry which thou have received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. Here ends the reading of God's word. Father, thank you for the privilege to hear your word. As we hear your word, we pray that give us a listening ear. Give us circumcised ears. Open the eyes of our understanding that we may behold wondrous things in your word. Thank you for the power of your word, the transforming power of your word, the convicting power of your word, the saving power in your word, and the grace that comes through the teaching of your word. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we have seen quite a few names. The first amongst them is um, Tychicus. Then we heard about Onesimus. These are faithful guys into whose hands Apostle Paul committed the essential letters. And then after them, we hear about Aristarchus. So verse 10 says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, salutes you. And Marcus, who is Barnabas' sister's son. And he said, concerning Marcus, you've received commandments that when he comes, receive him. That is even an interesting statement, following what I taught you about Mark. He said, you've received instructions already. You've received commandments that when, or if Marcus comes to you, receive him. Don't reject him, receive him. So we see the first two ones who were sent being Tychicus and Onesimus. They were sent. Now the next set of people, three of them, we have Aristarchus, and then we have Mark, which is Marcus. Can we look at the New King James, please? We have Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. So Mark is there, and then 
the verse 11, we see another name there, Jesus. Now, just so people don't get confused, Jesus is with Paul, but not Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus, who is also called Justice. So that tells you, in those days, the name Jesus was a common name. That's why if someone tells you there's a Jesus in the Quran, it may be even this one. <laughs> Jesus was a common name. In fact, the Greek version of Jesus is Yeshua. And it's the same name translated Joshua. So Joshua is the same as Jesus. So in Hebrews, there was a place they were making mention of Jesus or Joshua. They used the Hebrew chapter 4. He said that Jesus or Joshua brought them to the promised land. Some of the translations use Joshua, others use Jesus. Jesus is just a, a, a Greek translation. So he says, if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not, after what I have spoken after that. Now that Jesus is talking about Joshua, not Jesus of life. So, so you see, New King James said, if Joshua has given them rest. So the name Jesus and Joshua is the same in the Hebrew, Yeshua, which is God our Savior or God saves. Right, so there were people in those days who were called Jesus, many people. That is why usually, to make it very clear, they will say Jesus of Nazareth. Talking about this particular Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of David. Now, Paul had Jesus our Lord with him. But he also had Jesus who is also called Justice with him. Now, Justice, Aristarchus, Mark and Justice, these are all Jews. So when you look at what he said about them, he says that these are my fellow workers of the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. Anytime you come across, you're reading the New Testament or the scripture, you come across the circumcision, he's talking about a group of people, a particular group of people, uh, potentially an ethnicity, uh, talking about their ethnic grouping. The Jews had what we call the law of Moses. You need to listen to this very carefully. What distinguished the Jews from all other people was not their skin color, was not their hair texture, but the ordinances that Jehovah God gave them. So God gave them ordinances they had to keep. Ordinances are like practices. And all those ordinances were also enshrined or were in the law of Moses. So then, when God gave the law to Moses, every practice of all the Jews were also inside the law of Moses. Three pillars of these ordinances were number one, Circumcision. So Abraham himself was circumcised. God gave himself. In Genesis chapter 17 from verse 9 to 14, God spoke to Abraham about circumcision. So these Jews, the Jews had ordinances, or you can call it like, almost like traditions, but their ordinances which were passed down and handed down to them by their forefathers, some of which started with Abraham. So, the laws, three pillars of the laws that distinguish the Jews from every. It's not that shall not steal. It wasn't that shall not kill. It wasn't that shall not lie. It wasn't just those things. Three major ordinances, these were practices, just like the church. 
The ordinances of the church is baptism and communion. No other religious group can do baptism. They don't do baptism, they don't do communion. Because baptism is in direct relation to the relationship with the crucifixion, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Communion is in direct relation with Jesus' crucifixion to bring us into a covenant with God. That's why we practice communion. Jesus himself asks us to do it. These are ordinance, physical, outward practices that carry spiritual significance. So the Jews had these ordinances. Number one was circumcision. Number two was Sabbath, keeping of the Sabbath. You cannot be a Jew without keeping the Sabbath. You cannot be a Jew if you don't practice circumcision. And then the third one was the dietary, dietary restrictions. Jews were not meant to eat every, anything and everything in those days. So, now, that was all pointing to the times of Jesus because you Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17 talks about how don't let anyone bother you, thou shalt not eat uh, what you food or drink. You know, because when people became Christians, because, watch this very carefully, Christianity was first of all committed to Jews. Because Jesus was a Jew. He wasn't a Gentile. All his disciples were Jews. They were all Jews. And even Paul, Apostle Paul, who had the commission to the Gentiles, had to be Jewish. So he says that after the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, in Judea. It starts from Jewish territory. So as you might put it, Christianity was started by Christ with Jews, not with Germans, not with Irish, not with British. So now, to be a Jew, you cannot not practice these three pillars. So it is their fundamental identity to their relationship with God. Besides the thou shalt not and the other little things, these were the fundamental identities of every Jew. So then if you want to relate with the Jehovah God, you have to adhere or maintain these ordinances. Now, Jews who believe these ordinances were now supposed to send the gospel, the message of Christ, outside of the Jews to even Gentiles, for Gentiles to become part of it. Now, in those days, if a Gentile wanted to practice Judaism, or for that matter, Sabbath day, circumcision, and these dietary requirements, if a Gentile wanted to submit himself and practice that, he has to go through certain rituals, and then he becomes not a Jew, but he becomes a proselyte. So a proselyte is someone who is not a Jew. So when you read Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Ghost, there are proselytes there. Devout people who practice Judaism, but they were Gentiles, but now have been accepted. Yes, that Acts chapter 2 verse 10 is there. From Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. So proselytes have also come to Jerusalem to come and celebrate Pentecost. Because proselytes are also, they also practice Judaism, but just that they are not Jews. But they have accepted the Jewish religion. So if you are proselyte, that means you have to go through the rituals, and after that, you have to be circumcised. You cannot practice Judaism without circumcision. You have to be circumcised. 
That's why in Acts chapter 16, verse 2 and 3, when Paul saw Timothy and he realized that he was a good guy, he wanted to take him on a mission, but he had to, because his, his father was not Jew. His mother was a Jewess, but his father was Greek. So he wasn't circumcised. So Paul said, before you follow me, I have to circumcise you. Yeah. So it's, it's in your Bible. And Paul wanted to have him go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews. The Jews who accept you to practice any form of religious activities with them, if you are not circumcised, if you are not keeping the Sabbath, and if you are not adhering to the dietary laws. And the dietary laws, not only that they don't eat pork and they don't eat this, they are also not supposed to even touch certain type of food and dead animals and all those things. So then, if a Jew should accept you in fellowship, it was necessary for him to know you have been circumcised. You are keeping the Sabbath and then the dietary requirements. These are fundamental. So Jews don't joke with that and then they become born again and Peter goes to the house of Cornelius to go and preach. And whilst he was preaching, Acts chapter 10, in fact, Cornelius saw an angel. The angel said, go and get Peter. And then whilst Peter was also hungry, Acts chapter 10, from verse 8, 9, 10, somewhere there, Peter saw a vision. And in the vision, Peter was hungry, and he saw a vision, food being presented to him to eat. And he said, no, I can't eat this. I'm not supposed to eat this kind of food. Because he was proper Jew. He said, I can't eat this. I'm not supposed to eat this. And then the vision came three times. And he said, what God has cleaned, don't call unclean. God has sanctified it, you are calling it unclean. And the vision was taken away. Then he started thinking about, what can this vision mean at all? He was thinking, he was thinking. Then the Holy Ghost told him, there are people standing downstairs waiting for you. And these guys were sent by Cornelius because an angel has told Cornelius, send for Peter. Cornelius was not a Jew, he was a Roman, he was Gentile. Sent for Peter to come because he was a devout man, he loved the things of God. So, at that time, I think God was sending the message, beginning to send the gospel to the Gentiles. So Peter goes there, and Peter said, well, I was there and I was told, you have sent for me, and so tell me your story. Acts chapter 10, from verse 27, 28, 29. Then Cornelius starts telling him about how he was fasting. And on the third day, an angel appeared to him. The angel said, go and bring Peter. Then Peter, after Cornelius tells him this story, Peter said, of a truth, I know that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation. is anyone who fears God and doeth right, to testify, is accepted of him. Then watch this. Then he started talking to them about Jesus Christ, verse 36 and 37. And the charismatic, we like the scripture a lot. 37, how God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing God. I mean, it's nice, a powerful scripture. So that's where he came from. It was Peter's preaching to Cornelius' house, in Cornelius' house. Then he started preaching. As he was preaching, he got to how Jesus Christ was raised by God from the dead. From verse 40, 41, God showed him alive to those who were with him and sent him to be witnesses to them. And 43 said they should preach repentance and forgiveness of sin that anyone who believes will receive these things. Then guess what? He didn't finish. As soon as he spoke about Jesus' repentance, whilst he was still speaking, Holy Ghost said, now you've done your job. Step aside. Because if the Holy Ghost has waited for Peter, Peter wouldn't have accepted that you should fall on the Gentiles. That's how Jewish he was. He wouldn't have accepted the Holy Spirit to come on Gentiles. So the Holy Spirit himself, uh, he said, all I need is your preaching. 
not your, your not, not, not your wishes or not your uh, compliance or not your agreement. I need your preaching. So Peter himself told the Jews that whilst he was speaking, the Holy Spirit pushed him aside. I'm using my own words. And the Holy Spirit fell in Acts chapter 11 because look at chapter 11 verse 2. Are, are you following me? Am I going on too much? Bible story is good to know. In Acts chapter 11 verse 2, you find out that it says that, and when Peter came up to Jerusalem, you see this word, those of the circumcision contended with him. What does it mean? Give us New Living Translation. Let's see how he puts the those of the circumcision. New Living Translation, it might make it easier for you to understand. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers. So anytime you see those of the circumcision, he's talking about the Jews. You remember when David saw Goliath? He said, who is this uncircumcised thing? Because it's the circumcision showed that we are Jews. We are the people in covenant with God. So they were called those of the circumcision. So there are Jews who had believed in Jesus. Watch, this is very important. There are Jews who had believed in Jesus. So not all Jews rejected Jesus. In fact, all his disciples were Jews. And they preached, and a lot of Jews, in fact, on the day of Pentecost, a lot of Jews became born again, 3,000. And then uh, when the crippled man walked in Acts chapter 3, in Acts chapter 4, verse 2, Bible says that I think 5,000 were added to the church. They were all Jews. Predominantly, so there were a lot of Jews who were coming to Jesus. But the, the thing is, it hasn't gone outside of the Jewish territory. The first time it was now about to go outside was in Cornelius' house. But fortunately or unfortunately, Peter went with a team of people. They were Jewish believers. When they went there, they saw what had happened. In Acts chapter 10, verse 45, the Bible says that they of the circumcision, as many as had come with Peter, were astonished. Why? That the Holy Spirit has been poured out on Gentiles also. What? Gentiles? But they are not circumcised. They are not maintaining about Gentiles? Where is this coming from? They were astonished. So by the time Peter gets back to Jerusalem, information, CNN has already told Jerusalem believers that Peter, Peter is beginning to spoil this nice thing that Jesus has started. He's gone into the house of a Gentile. So that's why in the verse two, they began to contend and challenge him. Actually, it was a serious contention. How can you go to the house of Gentiles? How? And Peter said, okay, let me tell you the whole story. He told them how he was, and he saw a vision, he went, he was talking, I think verse 15 or somewhere there. As he spoke, Bible says, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. As he came on us in the beginning, look at the next verse, who am I? His question was, who am I? Then I remembered what Jesus said, the next verse, who am I to withhold the hand of God? Therefore, God gave them the gift as he has given to us. Who was I that I should tell God? Let God know! Because God didn't even wait for him. It happened. Now, that was to show that we did not need circumcision again. We did not need Sabbath day again. We did not need all this restriction. That is why Peter was told, eat. Those, all those things were pointing to Jesus Christ, who is our original food. The Sabbath was pointing to Jesus Christ, who was bringing us the actual Sabbath rest and the circumcision. When you read very carefully in Acts, uh, in fact, okay, it puts it this way. Listen to this. Romans chapter 10, verse 4. It says, Jesus Christ was the end of the law. Can you imagine? Jesus Christ came, he says, you don't need the law anymore to relate with God. For Christ is the end of the law. 
Christ came to end the law. So in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6 and verse, verse 11, look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 11. I just want to, he said, for in Christ, neither circumcision or uncircumcision means anything, but faith working through love. So now Paul was teaching them because these Judaizers, they actually, do you know what they were doing? They were called Judaizers. They're so Jewish and they were upholding their Jewish tradition so much that anyone who comes into Christ, they were, now some of them have become Christians, but their version of Christianity was very Judaistic. You have to be circumcised. You have to keep the Sabbath. And it was spoiling so much. In fact, Acts chapter 15 verse 1 is a very interesting one. Look at how they were putting it. They said, if you are not circumcised, you are not saved. Certain men came down from Judea and taught their bread. They were teaching them. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Hey! This is a serious thing. <laughs> it was because of people like this that God had to inspire Paul to write the entire letter of Galatians. The, the letter of Galatians was to show them, Galatians chapter 2 verse 16, was to show the people, teach the people that you can be justified by the law. Galatians chapter 2 verse 16 said, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Why? Because Christ has actually, Christ was the end of the law. But still, it was giving some of the Jews a big problem because they are so traditional. The thing was their identity and their means of religion was circumcision, Sabbath day, and what you are not supposed to eat. And if you take that away from them, it's like they've lost their identity. So even though Christ was supposed to be their identity, their identity was still very steed in their religion. You can imagine the problem the early church Gentiles were facing if you come into contact with such people. To the extent that even Peter at a point in time, he behaved in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11, that one. Bible said Peter was fine. Paul was saying this. Peter was fine until some brethren came from Jerusalem. God, they, are, they are concentrated in Jerusalem. So when, when the guys came from Jerusalem, Peter now behaved like he can't relate with the Gentiles. Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I rebuked him, I restored him, I challenged him to his face because he was to be blamed. What has he done? He played the hypocrisy. For before certain men came from James, that James was in Jerusalem, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew himself and separated himself, fearing those of the circumcision. That Paul said, I can, to the extent that even Barnabas was carried along as well. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrisy with him. So Peter wanted to be politically correct. So he separated himself from the Gentile. Paul said, you can't do this. You are playing hypocrisy here, Peter. Stop what you are doing. You were flowing with the guys. Until these other guys came from uh, America. <laughs> Is someone following the story? So, I'm saying this to let you understand how the early church had to fight with the circumcision. This circumcision thing. In Romans chapter 2, verse 28, it talks about how circumcision is not, is not a problem. For he, he is not a Jew who is one outward, nor is circumcision that which is outward. So all those things were outward. Now, 
work, worshiping God and working with God and working with God was no longer based on external activities. It was based on internal activities. Are, are you following what I'm saying? And so then, there was a reason why Paul said that these were my only brothers who are from the circumcision who are with me. Because some of the others, they actually didn't like Paul. Because Paul was becoming too liberal. <laughs> yeah, he was becoming too liberal. In fact, Paul puts it this way. You know, when you read Galatians, when he says, forbid it that I should boast save in the cross of Christ. He was talking in line with circumcision. So Galatians chapter 6, when you look at verse 13, and then verse, four, verse 12, actually, verse 12 and 13, and then verse 14, if you look at it, it says that as many as desire to make a good showing of the flesh, this will compel you to be circumcised. So they are telling you you have to be circumcised so they can look externally, they can look very powerful. They want to make sure of the flesh. So they will compel you to be circumcised only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Look at the verse 13. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in the flesh. So they themselves are not keeping the law, but on the surface, they say, you have to pray. You don't fast. You have to fast seven times a week, every day, every week, or six days a week. Some people do all these things just to show they look very spiritual. They look very spiritual. Don't, it's not that I'm growing to not to be bullied by when someone tells me, oh, I read my Bible every day. My wife normally poses quite a bit of a problem because she said something some time ago and I realized, yeah, that's true though. I've not thought about it like that. Because the way you know all this words, it doesn't mean anything if it doesn't translate into actual spiritual results. Doesn't translate. You can quote and quote and quote, but it is not showing in spiritual results. Like, like people who say, I'm making a video, you know, to really draw people's attention about how there's a problem in the church. Meanwhile, you have never even brought one soul in church. Never one soul. You are, you are coming to correct problems in church when you have not added one person to church. You are not spiritual. Uh, listen, a lot of people only look spiritual. They are Judaizers. Yes. The, in fact, Paul called... He, Paul uses some strong words. Paul calls them dogs. Ha! He said they are of their concision. Dogs. Philippians chapter 3 verse 2. It's, uh, just so you see it's in the Bible. I'm not saying. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the, of the mutilation. Give me NIV, concision. And then we'll go to uh, message and the other one, amplified. Watch out for those dogs. Oh. Those evil doers. Those mutilators of the flesh, talking about circumcision, they catch you, you are innocent, you want to save Jesus, they circumcise you, and for three days you are sore, and you are hurting, and it doesn't, it doesn't add anything to your spiritual life. <laughs> they are just mutilators of the flesh. <laughs> yes. He said, don't mind them. Amplified. Give me Amplified. Look out for the dogs. Who are the dogs? The Judaizers and the legalists. Yes. Paul said they are dogs. <laughs> Look out for the dogs. Look out for the troublemakers. Look out for the false circumcision. Those who claim circumcision is necessary for salvation. 
They are the mutilators. They are the concision. They are mutilating your body, your flesh. The Judaizers, they are mutilators. Now, they are mutilators so much so that most of the, watch this, most of the time, when you become over-religious, you stop thinking existentially. You stop becoming realistic. So then, even Peter went to preach somewhere. They said, we don't care whether the Holy Ghost chose to come or not. It's you who went to preach. If you have not preached, the Holy Ghost would have, <laughs> the Holy Ghost would have come. When people are religious, sometimes they destroy others with their religious norms. In religion in the sense of just the works. Talking about just the works. Now, they had problem with Peter. They had problem with Paul. And so many of the Judaizers didn't want to have anything to do with Paul. Every time Paul goes somewhere to preach, they go and create problems. The Jews will create problems, but there are other believers who are Jews as well, who also create problems. That's why Paul had to write, in fact, Acts chapter 15 was because of Judaizers. So they, it became a big argument in Antioch. You people were not there when they were doing the outreach. You people were not there when the Holy Ghost was moving. Now people have changed. There's a move of God. You have come. Come and enjoy it. They came and came and introduced mutilation into it. So Paul had a disagreement with them, and they said, you know what, let us go to the apostles in Jerusalem and get this matter settled. So they went and had a long discourse, and they sorted this issue. So now, with that in mind, when you look at what Paul was saying, Colossians chapter 4, so today is like, almost like circumcision. You think I'll finish it today, oh, but you've learned something new, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Colossians chapter 4, verse 11 Paul says that Jesus, who is called Justice, so he spoke about Aristarchus, Marcus, and Jesus. All of them, their name end with U.S. Is it interesting? <laughs> Aristarchus, <laughs> Jesus, or you can choose the Justice, it's the same thing. <laughs> Jesus, Justice, uh, Marcus. It, and watch this, he says that, we, who are, uh, okay, let's, talking about all of them, who are the circumcision? These only are my fellow workers. Where are the rest? Let, let's read the Amplified Version, please. The Amplified Version. It says that from Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the Jewish Christians. Where are the rest? They are not interested. So you can imagine what these three guys would mean to Paul who was in prison. And he used a very strong word. He says that they are my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. Not for political advantage, not for material gain, not for social convenience, but you can tell these people are working for the kingdom. I want to ask you, the things you claim to be doing in church, are you actually building the kingdom? Are you working for the kingdom? He says, that Jesus said, John chapter 3, verse 3, except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John chapter 3, verse 5, except a man is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom. The kingdom of God was the core, was the key, was the main subject of the preaching of the apostles. In Acts chapter 8, verse 12, Philip, when he went to Samaria, he was preaching the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God. That's when Simon the social followed. He listened to the things Philip was preaching concerning the kingdom. Acts chapter 8, verse 12. Acts chapter 19, verse 8. When he withdrew the, the disciples to the school of Tyrannus, he was reasoning with them, persuading them concerning the kingdom of God. So they were really kingdom people. In Acts chapter 20, verse 25, the focus was the kingdom of God. They preached the kingdom of God. And indeed, now, I know that 
you all, among whom I have gone preaching what? The kingdom of God. In Acts chapter 28, verse 23 and verse 31, Paul was reasoning with these people in fact one morning till evening about the kingdom. The kingdom was their message. Jesus said, when you pray in Luke chapter 11, verse 2, when you pray, say, thy kingdom come. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, said, thy kingdom come. There's something about the kingdom of God. Something about it. John, the one who was put in prison, uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 9, he says that he suffered for the kingdom. Suffered for the kingdom. In fact, Acts chapter 14, verse 22, Paul encouraged them that through tribulations, you should press on to enter the kingdom. Through tribulation, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. But when we talk about the kingdom of God, what is he talking about? It's not one day or one. It's not a geographical location. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, it's not like a geographical location you go. Two, this one is not necessarily talking about one day, some day. The kingdom of God, the apostles preached, the kingdom of God was in three ways. It's number one, when Jesus was walking amongst us, the kingdom of God was in us. He said, if I, by the finger of God, cast out devils, then the kingdom of God is at hand. So the rulership, in Luke chapter 11, verse 20, or 24, 20, yeah, the rulership of God is amongst you. He said, if I cast, by the kingdom of God, so Jesus said, me being here shows that the kingdom of God is at hand. For his preaching was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Or kingdom of heaven is the same thing. Jews don't mention God. So they will say kingdom of heaven. Matthew was written to Jews. So Matthew often say the kingdom of heaven. Whilst Luke will say, often say the kingdom of God. All right. So the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, was the central focus of the preaching of the apostles. What is the kingdom of God in this sense? One, I said it's not in three ways, when Jesus was around. Now, number two, we are in the kingdom age. The kingdom age is the church age. The kingdom of, and then there's another coming kingdom, when everything will be under subjection to Christ. And Christ will rule on the earth, everything. So that kingdom is coming. That time is coming. So the kingdom of God in three ways. Now, if you are in church, if you are in Christ, you are actually part of the kingdom of God. The church is now, the church is the kingdom of God. So another word for church work, or another phrase for church work is kingdom work. So when you hear someone say, I'm doing the work for the kingdom of God, I heard some time ago people were saying that, as for me, I'm not for any church, I'm just for the kingdom. You just don't understand scripture. It's the tautology. If you are for the church, you are for the kingdom. If you are for the kingdom, you are for the church. Where is the kingdom? There's the church. The, ch- the church. In fact, Paul puts it this way. He says that, in fact, not before Paul, Jesus, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 to 19, he says that, you are, I give you the keys of the kingdom. When he said, upon this work, I'll build my church. Then he said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. He was not talking about in a time coming. He's talking about in this time, because Paul says that the kingdom of God is not in food. It's not in meat, but it is in power. First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. And then in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, it says that righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost, that is the kingdom of God. So if you are in righteousness, if you are in peace, you are in joy in the Holy Ghost, you are actually in the kingdom. You are in the kingdom. If you are in the Holy Ghost, you are in the kingdom. Say, I'm in the kingdom. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5, Galatians chapter 5, verse 21, he spoke about some people who never inherit the kingdom of God. That, what's the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is the sphere, watch this, the sphere where Christ is preached as life. So when I preach to you, 
that Christ is life, and you, you receive Christ, you have received the life of God in you, you have received the life of Christ in you, and then that's where, through your life, God begins to govern. So if you are not in Christ, you are not in the kingdom. If you are in Christ, you are in the kingdom. Now, Paul said, these are my only fellow workers for the kingdom. My goodness. So they were actually working for the kingdom. Anything you do in church, as you are playing the instruments, you are actually building the kingdom. As you are sorting out the screens, as you are sorting out the sound, so I, people can hear me properly. You, <laughs> I'm not the only one working for the kingdom. Anybody who has helped one way or the other to make this a reality so souls can be saved, souls can be nurtured, souls can be established, souls can be consolidated. Anybody who plays a part in any shape or form is helping build the kingdom of God. And that's what will determine what reward God gives you when it comes. It's not how many sandwiches you give to hungry people. Because anybody at all can do that without any relationship with Jesus. If Jesus told you, go and give that sandwiches, and through that, people, he will draw people to him, then he is going to reward you based on the things you did in his name. The reward God gives us when Jesus returns is based on his work we have done, not our wishes we have carried out. Since you were a child, you always didn't like injustice. You never liked injustice. So when two people were fighting, the one who was stronger, you go and join the weaker one to fight the stronger one. Is it bad? It's a good, beautiful virtue. But that's your, your humanity. And now you have become a Christian, you think that is your Christian duty. <laughs> you have made your personal philosophy the Christian duty. You can be born again and still abandon the system of God like the Judaizers. They came in with their own system, ignoring the system of God. When you, we all become born again, we must be open and say, Lord, teach me. Like Saul of Tarsus, when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, in Acts chapter 9, right from verse 5, Jesus, he said, who are you? Jesus said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecuted. It's hard for you to kick against them. He said, what do you want me to do? That is what every genuine Christian must ask. Not telling God what you want to do for him. We have to ask God, God. What would that want me to do? Samuel was taught by Eli that when you hear the voice, say, Master, speak, thy servant hear it. But we have changed it. Master, listen, your servant is speaking. <laughs> daddy, daddy, your baby is crying. Listen, you have to listen. Okay. I'm not saying it's a bad song, but <laughs> it shouldn't be the only mindset. Okay, so it's important. Paul said, these are my only a fellow workers. Is someone get this after at all? I have to end now. I couldn't, I, I, I came prepared to, to, to really hammer this Demas guy. <laughs> I really came for Demas today. I really came for Demas, but I thank God for Marcus. I thank God for Aristarchus. I thank God, and let me add this, and he said that they have been of great encouragement to me. You know, when you attempt to do God's work, suddenly you will see some people, how valuable some people will become to you. When you attempt to do God's work from your heart genuinely, your value system on relationships will begin to change. Some people think that your value system in a church to a pastor is because of the way you dress. People are doing, please, let's build the kingdom. Paul says that these people, let's look at it on the screen as I end. Verse 11 again. Chapter 4, verse 11. It says that they have proved to be 
a comfort to me. Let's all read that back together. Let's go. Please read it again. Please say it again. Sometimes when it comes to building of the kingdom, that's when you realize where people's genuine, genuine, where their hearts are. It doesn't matter what offends you in church and how you can react when you're offended tells me where your heart is easily. Where your heart is. Bishop Oedipo made a statement. Thank God for his life. He made a statement. He said, what is costing a lot of churches is carelessness. Things that we have to keep our eye on, we are not keeping an eye on. We are not watching the things we should be watching and focusing on, 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 on a lot of unnecessary things. He said the value of a church or you, your, your Christian worship, is, it has a lot to do with the mission God has given you. If you lose focus on the mission, you have lost relevance in the sight of God. So long as your reward system is concerned. He said, if you are going to catch a plane and you are late and you are in a hurry and someone starts insulting you, will you stop and start fighting the person? <laughs> hey, do you know who I am? And you are talking to me like that? You are, are you not going to? Don't you have a mission? Why are you wasting your time on things like this? Why are you fighting people like this? He said, but when you don't have anywhere going, and someone said, hey, hey, big head, who do you think you are? I said, I mean, my mother, you are calling big head. Do you know? <laughs> when you don't have a sense of mission, anything at all can distract you. Anything at all can become your focus. When you don't have a sense, and I want to challenge you, brothers and sisters, as I run, I finish, that make the kingdom work if you're a genuine Christian. If you're not a Christian, that's different. But if you call yourself a Christian, and you believe you are one. Some people call themselves Christians, but they are not. But one of the signs that show that you are an actual, genuine Christian is you build the kingdom of God. You work for the kingdom. If you are not working for the kingdom, but you want God to work for you, think twice. Because God doesn't do that. He's busy building the kingdom. Why is the place so quiet? Yeah, <laughs> are you sure? Because some people are looking at me from the side of their eyes. <laughs> I'm so happy I'm not afraid of you. <laughs> Build the kingdom. If you come to church and I don't get, I don't tell you this, I'll be guilty of your blood. I'll be guilty of your losses in life and after life. Build the kingdom. All this, I've been in church so many years. I'm really, please, we enough of that. Can you just buckle up, settle down, roll up your sleeves, and start building? Get busy about God. That will determine how God will take care of your family, your health, your children, your grandchildren, mothers, fathers. Sometimes the surest way to secure your children's future is to get yourself busy with God. That's the surest way you can secure their future because when God is paying, he doesn't pay only one generation. He pays generationally. He never stays with one generation. He takes it. He takes it farther than you can take it. Please, let's build the kingdom. Because when you build the kingdom, you, have, you become a comfort to others who are also building the kingdom. So they have been comfort. Did you receive something? Yeah. Hallelujah! Look at someone and say to the person, let's build the kingdom. Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. We pray you have been strengthened and enlightened. You can connect with David Entry on all relevant social media platforms, including Instagram and LinkedIn. 
You can also hear many more messages from David Entry on all relevant streaming platforms and the Carriage Church app. Don't forget to like and share the message. Be blessed.